Welcome to the Fearless Vampire Podcast. I'm on a heartfelt mission through the art of conversation and storytelling to inspire women to pursue their creative entrepreneurial journey with reckless abandon. I'm your host, Taylor, a six-figure photographer and business coach based in Colorado. I'm a right-brain mompreneur to two toddler boys, devoted deep conversation holder, and your personal alpaca cuddle liaison. My hope is that you leave our time together feeling empowered and energized to build your dream life. Learn more at fearlessvampire.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to the very first of many Fearless Vampire episodes. I am so honored and thrilled that you are here with me right now listening to this very first episode. I'm not going to lie. I am equally terrified and ecstatic to finally launch my podcast. My name is Taylor. I am a wedding photographer in Colorado. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a business, entrepreneur, fanatic. I am a lot of things, but right now I am getting to live my dream of hosting a podcast. Now, before we jump too far in, I want to let you know that I'm going to be starting every podcast that is just me solo with a quote. I am a sucker for quotes. I love quotes. I love how they anchor me and ground me. I love that I can share them with friends when they are going through something. And so I'm going to go ahead and start right now with one of my favorite quotes that has gotten me through a lot in my life. I'll be honest. It's from Earl Nightingale, and my quote is, never give up on a dream just because of the time it will take to accomplish it. The time will pass anyway. So as I said, my name is Taylor. I am so excited that you're here. I think I've said that three times, but I'm just going to get it all out. I'm so, I'm so freaking excited that you're here. I hope you have a hot drink or a cold drink, whatever your bevy choice is, because we're going to get really real here. Now, I want to start out with sharing a little bit about who I am and what the story behind the Fearless Vampire podcast is. So I was having amazing coffee dates with friends who are just incredible, incredible entrepreneurs. And at one point, I was like, man, I wish somebody had been recording this conversation so lots of people could hear it. I'm, I have some very wonderful friends who are all business owners, and I love talking about what it's like to be a creative entrepreneur. And so there's been this idea of hosting a podcast kind of swirling in my life for about five years. If you've never read the book, Big Magic, go get it right now and read it. But if you have, then you remember probably when Elizabeth Gilbert is talking about how ideas are their own form of energy. And for probably, I'd say five or six years, I have had this like ball of energy. I can literally feel it like right next to my left ear and above my left shoulder hanging out there. And it was this ball of energy saying, Taylor, you've got to start a podcast. You have to start getting these ideas out of your head and out into the world. And you need to start having really powerful conversations with other female creative entrepreneurs and share that with the world. And I'm sure that you have felt this before. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're either my mom, one of my sisters, one of my best friends, or 
a creative female entrepreneur. And so you know what I'm talking about when I say that I spent so long trying to suppress that idea that this entity swirling around my left shoulder saying, Taylor, you've got to do the thing. You've got to go do something hard. And I kept trying to suppress it. I was like, yeah, I'll just do it later. I'll, I'll figure out a time to, to make that happen. When eventually, and Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this in Big Magic, this energy can leave. And it can find somebody else to, to manifest it. And so this has been a really, a really powerful way for me to decide if I want to move forward with something or not. I start thinking, if somebody called me and said, Taylor, you're never going to believe this idea I have for a podcast. And if they said, I want to get a whole bunch of badass, creative, entrepreneurial women together and give them a platform to have a voice, share their stories, empower each other, and really give them the tools to build their own dream life. I would be like, wait a minute, that was my idea. Give it back. I was supposed to do that. Now, there have been times in my life when I've had an idea swirling around and I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's for me. And lo and behold, I hear that somebody else is doing it. And I go, oh, thank God, like dodged a bullet. And so this podcast was not one of those things that I would have said, oh, dodged a bullet. It's something that I would have been clawing to get back. And so here we are, the Fearless Vampire podcast. I am here to host a platform for creative entrepreneurial women to share their story, to give them a voice, to empower other women, and to give other women the tools that they need to build their own business and live their dream life. Now, I'm really excited to share my story with you. And today, I mean, I could go back to when I got my first camera. Again, I'm a photographer in Colorado. I've been shooting full time for nearly 10 years now. And I could go back to my very first camera when I was five years old that didn't have film in it, but I just thought it was like the bee's knees. But I'm actually going to start with where my entrepreneurial journey started. And it's not what you think. I mean, it was it was a very challenging chapter in my life. So I'm really excited to share it with you. And I want you to know that towards the end, <laughs> I'm going to share with you three things that I learned my summer of being homeless. And yes, this was my journey into my entrepreneurial life. And when I say that I was a starving artist, because I mean, I people joke about that. They're like, oh, yeah, I'll just be the, the starving artist, photographer, painter, designer, whatever. This was reality for me. And it wasn't something that I chose. It was something that happened. And so I'm going to start right now. Again, I hope you have a hot drink. I've got some hot tea right here, some hot mint tea. I hope you have your favorite drink because we're going to get into some really awesome stuff. So I grew up in Morgantown, West Virginia. I hail from West Virginia. I went to WVU, go Mountaineers. I cannot listen to John Denver's country roads without crying. It's just, it's just, it's just a trigger for me. So anyway, I was very fortunate to get a job as the student photographer for my university. And so I was given all this incredible equipment that I never would have had access to otherwise and equipment that I still will never be able to afford or work with. But it really gave me kind of this jump start into my life as a photographer and not just the friend with a nice camera, but somebody doing it professionally. Now I wasn't working for myself at the time, but 
I started to see what it might feel like, what it felt like to go to go to my office and edit photos for hours on end. And I loved it. I craved it. So after I graduated, I actually had to give all my camera gear back and kind of sunk into this depression because I didn't have enough money to buy a whole bunch of camera gear that I had just gotten used to having. But not having a camera really set me down this trajectory of literally a depression. I knew that I was being called to be a photographer and I didn't have a camera. So once I got my camera, I got it in my head, just this overwhelming conviction that I was moving to Colorado and I was going to be a Colorado wedding photographer. I had fallen in love with Colorado probably five years earlier. I had gone out to do an internship, fell in love and just kept trying to get back. Finally, I was like, you know what? I've I've got to finish my college degree. Once I get my degree, then I will move to Colorado and I'll pursue being a photographer. Now, what I went to college for is completely irrelevant because it was not at all related to photography, business, entrepreneurship, anything. But once I graduated, I was out at a bar. I met a guy. He and I were having this conversation and he he asked me what I wanted to do when I graduated. And I said, well, I'm going to move to Colorado and be a photographer. And he was like, oh, are are you interested in, in whitewater photography? And I was like, honestly, if if it gets me into Colorado and I can get my foot in the door as a photographer, I don't know about y'all, but like the idea of waiting tables, of working retail just to like support my passion, that wasn't cutting it for me. I'm not sure about you, but that was not the direction that I wanted to go in. I wanted to be a photographer and I had this laser vision on being a wedding photographer. However, when the opportunity presented itself to be a whitewater photographer, I thought, what the heck? It's Colorado. It's in a town that I'm familiar with, which if you have not heard of Buena Vista, Colorado, and yes, I'm pronouncing it correctly. It's spelled Buena Vista, but us locals call it Buena Vista. The nickname is Buni. You can Google it, but it's the most beautiful place in the world. And so the opportunity to come here and actually be a photographer was just mind blowing to me. So this guy, this random guy that I met at the bar put me in touch with my boss. He hired me over the phone. And about six weeks later, I had done what any 20 something would do. And I sold everything that I had and brought only what could fit in my little Corolla that I affectionately named Phoebe. And Phoebe is going to be a big theme through this <laughs> through this episode. I, I adore Phoebe. I miss Phoebe. So in May, I moved out to Colorado. And this was just the beginning of this magical dream that I had been envisioning for, for, for years. Honestly, I mean, it had been years that I had been wanting this dream to come to fruition. And here it was. I was driving cross country and moving to my new home. I was so excited. And before I left, I made sure that I had somewhere to live. I made sure that I knew what I was getting paid before I packed up everything and moved. And of course, had a little going away party. And at that going away party, everybody was asking me, oh, so you ski? And I was like, no, I, I, don't, I don't ski. You don't understand. I'm going to be a wedding photographer. And so that's not as exciting as skiing. To, for, for some people, they'd be like, some of my family members were like, oh, okay, cool. And then they'd walk away. But I had so much conviction about this. And so I get to Colorado. and. I'm going to be totally straight with you. Do you have like your worst case scenario? Think of your worst case scenario. If you were to pursue your dreams, I will be straight. I'm going to shoot it straight. My three biggest fears were becoming homeless, 
broke and lonely. Those were my three biggest fears. That was my worst case scenario, like next to death was lonely, broke and homeless. So I'll just set the tone with that. So I get to Colorado and I move into my home with two roommates. And one of my roommates, a week after I moved in, she told me that she was moving to the Dominican Republic. She was going to go do work there. And I was so excited for her. Now, my other roommate said, well, if Heather is not living here, then I'm not staying either. I'm going to move out. And I was like, what? Are you are you serious? Now, keep in mind, I didn't know anybody in Colorado except my best friend from grade school Allie lived about two and a half hours from where I was in the mountains. She was in the other other side of the mountains. So we were about two and a half hours away from each other. But other than that, I didn't know anybody in Colorado except my two roommates, really. And both of them were now jumping ship and moving to other areas. And so it was about, I would say... A few weeks in to my big grand entrepreneurial adventure in Colorado, and the owners of the home that I was renting told me that they were going to sell the house. And I couldn't afford the rent of three people, and I didn't know anybody to ask them to move in with me. And so I was forced out of my living situation, and I literally, literally had nowhere to go. And so what I ended up doing was I packed up Phoebe again. And I lived out of my car. So I went from this big grand adventure to now I'm homeless. And what do I do? I'm living inside of Phoebe. I don't even have a tent. Y'all, I, I couldn't afford anything. And I will touch on that. I could not afford a tent. I, had, I did not have the luxury of going to REI and spending $700 on a sheet to separate me from nature. That just wasn't an option, let alone like a sleeping pad and a sleeping bag and all the things. So... That was kind of how my entrepreneurial journey started. Now, when I moved here, I obviously moved to be a whitewater photographer. And I was told that I was going to get paid a certain amount over the phone. But when I got here, I learned that that pay was only if you were a whitewater raft guide or a kayaker. Now, if you have not heard of the Arkansas River, it is a legit whitewater river. There is nothing you know, low key about this river. It is full blown white water. There was not a snowball's chance that I was putting my happy butt in a kayak or a raft and going down the river, let alone with thousands of dollars of camera gear. So I was really disappointed because I was told I was going to get paid a certain amount and then I wasn't. And I had budgeted my life in Colorado around what I thought I was going to get paid. And so this job was so incredible that I didn't want to quit and go get a new job, but it was still a huge struggle. And then my other fear was, like I said, being lonely. And this job, even though it was incredible, I ended up spending hours, like literally eight to 10 hour days on the side of a river by myself as an extrovert. It was wildly challenging. It was the most challenging chapter that I've ever had in my life. So I'm going to give you a a little bit of backstory of how these all came to fruition, what it looked like, and then the three things that I learned that summer of being homeless. So this job was, oh my gosh, it was absolutely incredible. But I, every morning I would wake up at like 6 a.m. and my boss would have to float me down the river because I couldn't kayak or raft. So he would float me down the river 
And he would drop me off on the side of the river for, again, eight to 10 hours a day. And I would take pictures all day long. But as an extrovert, this was outrageously challenging because I just signed, I, I started going crazy, honestly. I come from a family of, of eight. I'm the oldest of six kids. And so I had never really been alone my whole entire adult life or childhood. This was the first time in my life, I was 22, that I had ever been alone. On top of that, there was no service. There was no AT&T tower in the valley that I was living in. So I couldn't even call people at the end of the day, except in this one little doorway of the house that I was living in that I had just gotten kicked out of. And so I didn't even have service in this valley to, to call people and to connect with people from home. So that was kind of, that was the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. It was really scary. Now, I would love to share with you the three things that I learned my summer of being homeless. The first thing that I learned is that you can face your worst fears and live through them. Now, I've already told you that mine were being broke, homeless, and lonely. So I will, I'm going to dive in a little deeper to what that looked like for me, because if you are in the process of walking into your entrepreneurial journey, there is a lot of unknown. And so I would highly suggest writing down, what are my biggest fears? Like worst case scenario, what's going to happen and how can I live through that? So I'm going to start with being homeless. Obviously, I got kicked out of my home. I had nowhere to go. I Again, I didn't know anybody. My best friend was two and a half hours away. I didn't know what to do. So I moved into Phoebe, my little Corolla. It was not as glamorous as it sounds because I, I I know for some people like moving to the Rocky Mountains when you're 22 and camping on the side of a river, like world-class whitewater river sounds really cool. It, it was not cool for my personality type. It was not cool. It was terrifying. It was scary. I felt like I had failed. It was just not fun. My second fear was being broke. And as I just mentioned, I was not making the income that I was told I was going to make. Now I was working probably 60 hours a week because I just didn't, I didn't want to not be working. I was lonely. And so I, I had a, I just preferred to be at work. And then, yeah, I was lonely. I, I come from a very big family and I've always had friends around me 24 um, seven. So moving to this new state was very challenging. I was still on the group text messages actually that my mom sent out every Sunday saying fettuccine for dinner at five. And I would just start sobbing and go to bed at four o'clock because there was nothing else to do. So that's why I, I, I just ended up working a lot. One of the things too that, that happens for me at least is whenever I start to get stressed, I just stop eating. My body cannot physically digest food when I am stressed. And so just to hit home, I want to share a little story with you. So here, here I am, broke as a joke. At the end of one of the work weeks, I think I had six, between 6 and $12 left over to buy groceries. And lucky for me, I just couldn't eat. I did not have an appetite. I was stressed out to the max. I I just wasn't eating, but it had been about a week since I had actually eaten something. And when I say that, I'm I'm very serious. I just would just stop eating. So I went to the grocery store and I found cherries. Now this is before I had really gotten into the groove of grocery shopping. Again, like I had had a pretty cush life back in West Virginia. I could always go home for dinner on Sundays, but I was still learning what grocery shopping looked like. 
And so I saw that these cherries were 97 cents. Now I didn't realize they were 97 cents a pound. And so here I am grabbing like the biggest bag that I can find because it's 97 cents. Anybody would have picked, you know, the biggest green pepper or the, the biggest anything for 97 cents. And I go to checkout and I'm in the checkout line and the woman rings me up and she says, it's, you know, $12 and 44 cents. And I was like, they're 97 cents. And she said, no, it's 97 cents a pound. And so I had two options. I could either run my debit card and risk the chance of overdrafting. So now I've spent what, $40 with an overdraft fee on freaking cherries, or I could turn around swallow my pride and take back some of the cherries and come back with an amount that I knew was in my bank account. And so I turned around to go take the cherries back and get a smaller bag. And when I turned around, the dress that I was wearing, which was a, it was a strapless dress fell off. It it literally fell off. And that was a turning point for me because that's when I realized that I was not doing well. My health had taken a turn. My clothes were literally falling off. And so I turned around, I did get a smaller bag of cherries and that's what I ate for the week. So I just really want to hit home how challenging this chapter of my life was. And again, this was the beginning of this dream that I had built up for so long. And I felt like an absolute failure. I had called my best friend and I said, I'm not making the money that I thought I was going to make. I just got evicted from my home. I don't know what to do. And she said, Tay, just, just come home. And I said, that's, that's not an option. I promised myself six months coming home is not an option. Now, part of that was I had made an agreement with myself and I had made, it, made an agreement with my parents that I would give it six months. But part of it is I am a really stubborn person. And I, I will admit it, I'm very stubborn. And so the idea of going home, there were not a lot of people that left my town. I did not feel good being one of the few people in my family, nonetheless, but also in my group of friends and in my town to move. I just couldn't bring myself to coming home. I mean, that would be a major failure. And I honestly probably would have got a nine to five job and just daydreamed about Colorado for the rest of my life and what it could have looked like. So that... That was the beginning. That was the first thing that I learned is you can face your worst fears and live through them. The second thing that I learned my first summer being homeless is that people show up for you. And this could literally bring me to tears. Strangers, friends, and coworkers all showed up for me when I needed them. And this was a very uncomfortable chapter of my life because I don't deal well with receiving. I am a giver. I'm a supporter. I am a lover. Like I love to give. And so this was the first time in my life that I just had to stop and receive. So I'm going to introduce some people to you. My best friend, Allie, that I've already told you about, who was living two and a half hours away. She knew me better than anybody else at the time. And she knew that when I got into really stressful situations, I would not eat. She knew that about me. And Allie would drive an hour and a half one way to meet me at our halfway like rendezvous point in Leadville, Colorado. And she would bring me, I'm not kidding, six pounds worth of pasta for me to eat for the week, a huge bag of salad and a loaf of bread. If you've ever been in a position 
where you just can't hashtag literally can't even, and somebody cooks for you. That to me is such a symbol of love and care. And Allie would literally drive an hour and a half one way just to bring me food because she knew that that's what was the first thing to go for me. And she just, she showed up for me in such a real way. And I don't know that she'll ever know the, the impact that she had on me that summer. Another person who showed up for me was the hippie from Aspen, Rob. Now, Rob didn't know me from Adam. We were co-workers and we met as whitewater photographers. And Rob heard that I had lost my home. Like he, which I mean, I had told a couple people at work, but most people just assumed that I was fine and camping. But Rob heard about my situation and said, hey, I'm living in my Jeep. Are you guys like noticing like a theme here of all these photographers that move out and live out of their car? But Rob said, I have a tent. Do you want my tent? You can't sleep in a freaking Corolla. And so Rob hooked me up with his tent, a sleeping bag, and I just found random campsites in our area to camp and set up almost like a home base. And Rob will never know the impact that he had on my life because I, I haven't seen him since then. I will probably not see him again. But he made such an impact on me by giving me this sheet between me and nature that felt like home. And for anybody who's camped, you know that there is zero protection from like the outdoors when you're in a tent. But it, there, there is this mental piece of knowing, okay, I'm safe. I'm in my tent. To boot... I love coffee. And y'all, I couldn't afford a bag of cherries. I'm not going to go out and buy coffee from a coffee shop every morning. So when I would come into work, since I'm sleeping in a tent, like I'm not sleeping in and enjoying the morning, I would come into work and Rob would have made me a French press coffee every morning. He, he, He would make French press coffee for himself and for me. And what was so fascinating about it was he never expected anything. He, ne- he never asked me to buy coffee. He never even really wanted to have a conversation. And so I think he appreciated that we could both come in, not talk to each other, drink our coffee, get our gear ready and head out for work. Rob will never know how cared for he made me feel during that time. Somebody else who showed up for me who was really, it was really random and really unexpected were two of my coworkers who actually lived an hour from me. So I live in Buena Vista. And there's another town called Canyon City. And it's it's small. You've probably never heard of it. But the Royal Gorge is there. And it's a beautiful part of, of the river. And my boss had bought a home there. And I had so I had two co-workers that I had never met living there. And nobody ever wanted to, to drive there. And so my boss asked me, do you want to go to Canyon City and shoot? And I said, sure, I have nothing else going on. And he said, okay, there's a house down there. So you can, you can do laundry. You stink. You can do laundry. There's a shower, like do what you got to do and just go shoot down there for, for, for the week. So I got down there and I met my two coworkers. One of them was Cody and Cody now I think lives in Anchorage. And I do not remember for the life of me, the other guy's name, but they were both wonderful guys. And whenever I would go there, they would give. And I just was totally blown away. They would take me out for dinner. They would show me the town. One of them always either gave up their room for me or like made up the bed for me. They always had food. They never expected me to buy anything, even whenever I offered. And again, I just felt so cared for 
without anything being expected. It was just a very bizarre feeling. And again, these were strangers. These were people that I had never met. Now, in tandem with being homeless, one of the other like groups of people that would show up for me were my coworkers that I wasn't ultra close with, but they, they always had parties and I was always invited to these parties. And I wasn't a huge smoker. I wasn't a huge drinker. But I knew that if I went to these parties, there was a really good chance that a whole bunch of people were going to pass out on the floor. And so I knew that if I went to this party, I would probably have a place to sleep. Most people would be crashed on the floor so I could sleep anywhere on a couch on the floor. And so these coworkers, again, had no idea that they were showing up for me. And I, and I never told them that they were showing up for me. But just to really drive home <laughs> what this homeless life was like. It was amazing to just see these people show up. And even my my mom swears that she has no idea. And I know she's listening to this episode. She swears that she had no idea that I was homeless for a summer. So I don't know if I was just that stubborn that I didn't tell her because I didn't want her to know. And I didn't want help. I didn't want support. I wanted to do it on my own. I didn't even tell some of my closest friends and family members what I was going through because I was mortified. This was not the this this vision that I had, this was not it. And it wasn't my choice. Now, if I had chosen to come out to Colorado with a hammock, that would have been different. But I it just was not a choice. The third thing that I learned my summer being homeless was, and this was huge for me, depending on where you're at in your life, this may or may not be as epic, but I am pretty damn awesome to hang out with. Now, just to remind you, I came from a family of at minimum eight people living under one one roof. And when I say at minimum, it's because we always had aunts, uncles, family, friends, kids who didn't have homes, like foster kids living with us. I grew up in a very big family and I never got the opportunity to be alone. And so when I got into my 20s and again, moved across the country to be homeless, broken, lonely, I had to learn how awesome I am to spend time with. Again, the home that I grew up with was very busy. I didn't know what it felt like to be alone. And this was a huge challenge. This was a major shift. I actually went through a ton of anxiety learning how to be alone, but I I wouldn't trade it for the world. Learning to be alone and learning how awesome I am to spend time with was the biggest pieces of growth that I've ever experienced, both in my personal life and on my entrepreneurial journey. So I hope this was like at least entertaining for you. The three things that I learned my summer being homeless as I began my entrepreneurial journey. And I just, if there's one takeaway that I just want you to really leave with and to have an impression, it's that whatever you want to pursue, it's worth it. Whatever your biggest fears are, they're worth it. It's worth chartering into the uncomfortable. It's worth moving closer to what's scary. It is worth it. And you will live through your worst fears. Whatever your worst fears are, you will live through it. And I highly recommend having a backup plan. (laughs) I did not have a backup plan, but I highly recommend that. So I do want to end every episode, both with myself and with the the wonderful, wonderful women that I'm going to be interviewing on this podcast with a question. And this question 
humanizes us as entrepreneurs, especially successful entrepreneurs. I feel like sometimes it's easy to go, well, of course you're successful. You did X, Y, and Z, but you only see the tip of the iceberg. And especially in our social media driven world, this perfectly curated, frustrating as hell, cherry picked social media world, you're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. And so I want to ask this question to myself. I want to ask you this question and I want to ask the wonderful entrepreneurs that I'm going to be interviewing. When was the last time that you didn't feel good enough? Now, this question is really challenging because if you're like me, I lay awake at night going, how did I screw up today? How did I fall short? What could I have done better? Now, again, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a photographer, I'm a business coach, I'm a podcaster now. I am a lot of things. And so there is a long sheet that goes through my mind at night of why don't I feel good enough? What could I have done better? Where did I fall short? Who could I have supported more? My answer to this question is... Most recently, I am a diehard Enneagram too. If you have not taken the Enneagram test, pause this and go take it ASAP as possible. I love the Enneagram and I am a diehard Enneagram too, which the title is literally the helper. So I'm currently coaching a handful of incredible women photographers who are getting ready to launch and rebrand their businesses. They're ready to scale. They are moving into a new chapter of their entrepreneurial journey. But I have put a lot of my self-worth in how much I'm helping them. And they are a much more hands-off group than, than what I'm normally used to. They're very independent women. And so I'm not used to having super independent students. I mean, for the first few rounds of my me coaching photographers, it was a lot more hand, hands-on. There were a lot more questions about equipment and gear, and now it's shifting into business, and it seems like there's a little less, less need. So I started creating this need where there simply wasn't one. And that was really stressful because I, I'm, I'm at a stage in my life where I'm learning that I am worthy of being loved just as I am, even if I'm not helping or serving anyone. And this is really confusing for me because my whole life I have tried to earn love by doing things and by supporting people and by being there. And so this group of women has challenged me in a very different way that I am honored and so grateful to be a part of because they are giving me this incredible gift of learning, hey, you've done your job. You are, you are worthy of love whether you do anything or not, Taylor. Just slow your roll. So that is the last time that I didn't feel good enough. And by the time that this podcast airs, our time will be over. And so they will probably learn about this once it airs. So if you're interested in learning more about what I do, how we can work together, go to taylorjones.co. If you are a photographer, there's a free training on there for photographers. But I also want to let you know, if this episode resonated with you in any way, shape, form, or fashion, please let me know. I'm sitting here in my office in Buena Vista, Colorado. Um, sometimes I'm sitting in a closet at home. Sometimes I'm in my studio. 
but I'm recording this solo. No, nobody's here with me, cheering me on, telling me that I'm doing a great job. And not that I need that, but I would love to know if this episode impacted you or any of the episodes that you'll listen to after this. If it impacted you, please let me know. Shoot, shoot me a message. Send me an Instagram message at Taylor Jones Photography. Write me a review. Get in touch with me anyway. Send a blimp, whatever you've got to do. Let me know how it affected you. And also, please share it with a friend. If you know a friend that is getting ready to jump into their entrepreneurial journey and you're like, hey, this is at least entertaining. Hopefully you don't end up homeless, but here you go. Share it with friends and family. I would be honored to just get to meet more people that are on this journey. I'm so excited that you were here with me today. Thank you for spending time with me. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Take care.